What's good, everybody? Yes, your boy Sunny, and I'm back again with another bang of a podcast. And on today's episode of Sunny Talk, I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with my boy Sean from Malta. What's good, bro? Yeah, man. What's up, bro? What's up? I'm good, bro. How's everything with you? Pretty good, man. Just got back from training, so um, yeah, man. Okay, okay. So, um, can you let the people know a little bit about yourself and when they can find you? Sure. So I'm Sean. I'm 22 years old. Um, I'm from Malta, probably um, not the most common place, little island in the middle of the Mediterranean. Um, I'm a rugby player. Uh, and if anyone wants to find my Instagram, it's just Kirkop Sean. That's C-H-I-R-C-O-P-S-H-A-U-N. Okay. And uh, can you let us know a little bit about Malta? Okay, Muata. So, really, really small island. Um, population of like four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand. Um, uh, yeah, man. Not not much going on here. Uh, very summery island. Nice beaches. Good weather. Um, but yeah, man. Pretty small. Pretty small. <laughs> what what language do you guys speak? Um. So we have our own language, which is Maltese. It's like a little mix of. Uh, there's a bit of Italian, there's a little bit of Arabic in it, um, but uh, English as well, man. I think probably English is uh, most common nowadays. Okay. Malta, that Maltese, that's, that reminds me of a, isn't there a dog named the Maltese? Yeah, yeah, the Maltese. Okay, so is the Maltese dog from Malta? Nah, I think so. Don't quote me though, but anyway, I think it just has to be, right? Like, yeah. I think so, I think so. Okay, okay. So um so all right, so you uh so you are you were saying that you're a rugby player. Yeah. Okay, so uh well honestly let, let's go back a little bit. So initial I'd like to take it from the beginning to to where you are now, like gradually in steps, you get it? So yeah. So so take me back to where you was born. So when I was born, that was 2001, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, so when it comes to sports, I tried everything under the sun, bro. So um, we had football, which you guys called soccer. Um, that was well, that's like the main thing to play here. So when yeah, I was but, a kid. Hello, sorry. No, sorry. I want to go back a little before that. So I'm like, oh, like damn, what, what's like, happening? Way back. Yeah, way back from the beginning. So, what town okay. were you um, born in? Do you have siblings? Like, yeah, back so, so um, I'm from a little little town. It's called Balsan. Um, I have one older sister. Um, and, yeah, very, very close family. I think even uh, as Maltese people, we're very... Um, Family oriented, yeah, we're super family oriented, so um, yeah, very close to family, and um, yeah, I guess um, growing up was it was good. I really enjoyed growing up here. Um, I think it's it's special because you're surrounded by a lot of people that like you would just see on a regular basis because the island is so small. So I think as a kid, um, you get to see your friends often and and you know school was a good environment as well you know went to the same school as my sister 
um, she was just in the air above. So that's mm-hmm. obviously made her and I like super close mm-hmm. as siblings. Um, yeah, that that was that was very very early days. Um, so so the um the town that you're from, how many towns are on Malta? Is, is it oh. just one island or is it a chain of islands? So Malta is pretty much two two main islands. You have um, Malta and Gozo. Uh, most of the people are in Malta. I think even the Gozitans, a lot of them kind of move over just for the job opportunities. It's it's kind of better to on, be on the, the big island. island. Okay. Yeah, yeah, on on the main. Oh, it's the yeah. mainland, and then there's one island. Yeah, exactly, bro. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. but yeah, so not, not there aren't too many towns, man. I I mean, we don't even really have one big city here. Everything is just kind of little towns. Um, and I've been living in Balsan my whole life. Um, when I've been in Malta, like we haven't moved, we've moved house, but we've literally just moved. Uh, well, since I was, I think I was like maybe two years old, three years old, from a, a corner house in Balsan to another corner house in Balsan. So very, very used to being around here, then knowing the neighborhood, the neighbors, and kind of growing up with everyone here. You get to know them because it's just so small. Everyone's like a little tight-knit community, you know? Okay, okay. That's what's fun. So uh, what are, is it, is your town known for anything specific? Or like, what's the main thing? Oh, nothing. Honestly, nothing. man, <laughs> nothing, bro. It's it's very very quiet. I think um, when people hear like multi people hear Balsan, I think the first thing that they think about is the quiet. You know, mm. you, you you never really hear a, a car passing or uh, anything going on in the streets, anything like that. So um, that's why I really enjoyed growing up here, just because I really got to enjoy the peace and quiet, and I um, I fell in love with the with the community here. I think it's a, it's it's a really good spot. And is it a diverse community, or is it mainly just like white people? <laughs> it's it's pretty wide, bro. Um, most of the 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 people that live here are local, like very local. And to be honest, the, um, around my area, it's mostly older people as well. That's I think that's what makes it so quiet. I think um, when I think back in the day. People didn't really move too far away from their parents' house, so mm-hmm. it it was very common that if you know your parents live in Balsan, you're gonna end up living in Balsan as well. Mm-hmm. So okay. that again, that just makes everyone super close here because um, you'd know, you know everyone really. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so. Um... All right, there. So, what type of stuff were you getting into as a kid before sports, or was it mainly just sports? Uh, I was super sporty. Um, I think my earliest memories are just playing football outside in the yard with my dad, and mm-hmm. um, uh, swimming with my sister, and uh, yeah, just kicking a ball around with friends. I think um, my life was super sports oriented I, I didn't really enjoy doing much else uh, I think um, a lot of the kids here grew up the same way that I did mm-hmm. where all we wanted to do was just go outside and play so that's really what I got up to okay, okay. all right so basically well that is not a regular kid thing because nowadays kids don't really do too much things nowadays yeah, right. man. Everyone's on their PlayStations. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, damn, you was born in two thousand one, so it was like 
by the time he was six, it was 2007. I mean, there was a lot already going on. Yeah, for sure, bro. Yeah. But would you say that uh, in Malta, is it like when the area that you live in is it like a rural area? Is it kind of countryside or is it kind of uh, somewhat modern? Um, it's it's pretty central, so you don't really get much greenery, and but you don't get like big buildings. I think a lot of the houses as well are pretty old; they don't really change mm. the the structure of the houses. So, um, yeah, it's 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 central. It's it's progressing into modern slowly, but at a, but very slowly. Yeah, it's it's. And well, were the houses like regular houses, like cement houses? Um, the houses well, here, they're like, I guess just normal two-story houses and very traditional kind of... Multi-style. Um, Multi-style where you have like your kitchen and your living room downstairs and the bedrooms are upstairs and, you know, no basements, mm. no attics, nothing like that. Just very plain. Mm. Okay, okay. All right. I'm trying to just get a feel of like Maltese because like mm-hmm. I never I've I've seen like the name Malta before, but you get it, I've never really known much about it. Is there a, does the drink malt the do malt drinks come from this area or no? It's unrelated. Uh, the malt? No, no, they don't. They don't. Okay, okay. You know one one thing that everybody asks me, you know those little chocolates, the Maltesers. Oh, I've never heard of those Maltesers. Oh, so, yeah, they're like huge in the UK. The, like right. in this red packet and I like when I was in the UK the first thing anyone would ask me was oh I'm Maltesers from Malta and I'd just be like no no they're not but just because they have <laughs> just because they have Malteser and then and then because of that bro like I got the nickname Malteser just because oh, yeah. I, just, I mean I have absolutely no relation with, with this it's just, it's like, to... <laughs> just everyone just found it so amusing so that's hilarious. Some shit that you don't even know nothing about is just like exactly. ingrained in this society. <laughs> exactly. That's basically like the Hershey's from over there, Maltesers, or something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, some, something like that, bro. Yeah, something like that. Okay, okay. So we're speaking of like snacks and stuff, what, are there any specific type of snacks and shit that's Okay, native? yeah, we have, we have Maltese. So we have one Maltese kind of like soft drink. It's called Tinny. But it's not for everyone, man. Like, so many people don't like it because it's a bit bitter. I don't mind it. Kinney? Like, yeah, it's called Kinney. Mm. Um, what type of, what is it made out of? I think it's like, um, like a bitter orange mm. or something like that. I might, if, oh, I might get grilled for not knowing what exactly it's, it's made out it's of. Made but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bittery sour type drink. Um, and then we have, we have these things called twisties. They're kind of like Cheetos, but just not spicy. Like, you know, those hot Cheetos stuff. Like, mm. they look exactly the same, those, like, cheesy snacks. Yeah. Um, but that's but, it, man. But no spice? We have no spice. Yeah, yeah, no spice. We're, we're, we're too plain for that. Um, but, yeah, yeah no, that's that's it, man. <laughs> and then this, what's the, what's the regular, like, diet of a Maltese person? Would you like uh, fish? Uh, yes, there's a lot of fish. There's a real lot of fish. I guess since we're like an island in the middle of the Med, mm-hmm. um, just loads of fish. Traditional um, meal also is rabbit. Rabbit? 
Yeah, we're big on our rabbit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I never actually ate rabbit. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of those things where, like, when people come to Malta and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, you guys eat rabbit, and yeah. um, they go to like a local spot that like you know cooks it, and everyone is so um surprised yeah. with the taste of it and the texture of it because it's really nice actually. Um, the only time like I've I've never eaten it, but I'm from the Dominican probably where oh, my cool. mother is, and uh, I remember as a kid going down there and um. And going to the supermarket, and that was the first time I seen a fucking rabbit in the supermarket. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell? And it was, like, packed yeah. up like the regular meat. I'm like, no yes, way. Yeah. Yeah. But so rabbit's good? What would you compare it to? Um, you do, like, you have, like, fried rabbit. Um, but, like, not, like, deep fried type thing. Like, just, like, fried... Um, you could have like veg and like a sauce with it. You can have it with like mashed potatoes. There's like so many different ways that like you could cook it. But um, my go-to would be probably with like some veg and and just potatoes. Man, just really simple. Just get the good flavors, the natural flavors in, and it's 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 banging, bro. It's really good. Okay, that's that sounds that sounds good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> maybe when you if you ever get some water, man, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, definitely gotta hit up the rabbit spot. spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. So, do they have like fast? Do you see how? Uh, well, yeah. Have you been to America yet or no? No, I haven't, man. I no? I, I really need to get there. Oh, but you have been to Europe, you said. Yeah, yeah I've been been to Europe. So, uh, you know how in, like, the UK and stuff, they have, like, the chicken spots and, like, the KFC oh, yeah, and okay. all that? Mm-hmm. Do yeah. they have, like, rabbit places like that? <laughs> no, no, we don't. But we have, we have um, these, these places. They're called pastizzi. They're these, uh, like, puff pastry. Mm. They're filled with, like, um, cheese inside, like, ricotta cheese. And I swear, bro, like, they're dangerous. They're so dangerous because once you eat, like, one, you're just eat so many and and they're just not good for you bro but they're just so good and i think every that i i've never met a person that kind of came to malta tried one and they were like oh no it's not for me like they're mm-hmm. guaranteed you're gonna love them i mean you can't go wrong with dough and cheese you <laughs> can't you really can't you really can't <laughs> yeah man. oh man that's so good man so malta is a little so it sounds cool, bro. It's but, a little uh, gem, man. It's a little gem. Yeah. It, the way you, like, describe it just reminds me of, like, like reading. Like, I know it's probably not one of those islands, but, like, when you read, like, uh, damn, what was it? Like, the, I think it's Ulysses, The Adventures of Ulysses or something like that. Like, I, it just reminds me of, like, a Mediterranean journey. And I'm like, I mean, like, that's <laughs> that's really it, bro. It's just a little, little rock on in the middle of the med, man, with like nice beaches, good vibes, and yeah, man, good sun. It's, it's a good yeah. spot. Uh, do you know anything about like the Knights of Malta? Are they from there actually, or is that unrelated? The Knights of Malta. Oh yeah, bro. Um, we're like that's pretty much our whole history, and um, even our our rugby national team, like we're named after them like with oh yeah the Malta, Malta Knights like they're such a big part of our history and they're such a big like inspiration to us about like how they 
you know, kind of fought for the island and the way they um, put you give some everything on the line. Awesome, oh, history lesson, oh God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're really putting on the spot, bro. Well, um, just so whatever I, you know, bro. So what I know about them is that basically they were kind of sent here, I think by like a Spanish king. I think it was mm-hmm. a Spanish king. Um, they were kind of sent here as like a last resort just to kind of like keep, I, I don't know if it was like keep the peace or if it was um, to, to like chuck, chuck some some other ruler out or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I know is that, so basically they had done the job that they were meant to do, but they ended up staying because they fell in love with the island. And because they loved the island so much, they just kind of wanted to keep it protected and they wanted the Maltese people to be protected and to let the island kind of be Malta and not be not whatever another ruler mm-hmm. exactly or what, what another ruler wanted it to be so I think we take a lot of inspiration from that because um, man they gave us a platform to be ourselves you know like I think mm-hmm. through history we kind of forget that um, if it wasn't for certain people coming in to your story uh, mm-hmm. you wouldn't really be where you are you wouldn't be who you are you'd be speaking a different language you could be living somewhere else and i think when the knights came here you know they really let malta grow into malta so yeah. there's a lot of appreciation for what they did for us here okay that's what's up the only thing i already know about them is like when i did research about like different islands in the caribbean my family is from Mm-hmm. I know that they, the Knights of Malta went to St. Croix and they also went to St. Kitts. They was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's crazy. They, are they still around? Is it like a still organization? You know, there's like, a, there's actually like a group of people that they kind of, I think they do like a march or something every year. There's like, you could technically be a Knight of Malta still. Like you could go through like some good process. Um, it's not is, common. Is it, like I don't, I don't really know anyone that does it, but I know that there is a group who is it like a, keep this edition going. Is it like a Freemasonic type of thing, like a sorority? Mm, not really. I think it's just for those who just kind of like like the story of the history of it and whatever, and they just kind of want to keep that name going, like that, mm. that is a reminder of this, and like they helped us out, <laughs> and they want to be yeah. part of that that group. Alright, so damn, so that's a big part of the community. Yeah, it's a big part of our history. Okay, nice. So growing up, man, going through high school and shit. Well, going through school in general, how is it over there? Um, it's pretty different, I think, because um, when I whenever I speak to anyone that's from America or that's from the UK or any big country. You know, they talk a lot about kind of changing schools and, um, you know, they'll move to a different state. So they have to go to a different school. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't really, that's never really the case here because we're so small and we're so close together. You kind of go to one school and you stick with that school. Even if you move from one side of the island to the mm-hmm. other, you're still close enough to get to that school. So you end up being very, very close to the people that you start your school days with. You know, the my my close friends are have been my friend since I was five, six years old. And mm-hmm. that's a that's a long time, but it's a really nice thing because even when it comes to leaving school and going into college, I think you guys call it college, we call it sixth form. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, call it what? 
we call it sixth form. So you get to, like, you finish your normal school and then you kind of pick what school you go to and then there's mm-hmm. university after that. So, um, yeah, it's it's just, even when you get to that stage, you never really feel like you're leaving anyone because you're most likely going to be somewhere be close. Those, you're going to be very close. Yeah. So growing up, you were very close to the friends that you started out with. So uh, it was only probably like always just like two school options in the area. So like you either. Okay. If, well, I'm asking it. Was it something like that? Like, uh, was... um, so basically we, we have, we have, I'd say across the whole island, maybe like 15 schools, but there's kind of split up into public schools, private schools and church schools. And your area kind of pushes you into a certain like type zone. of school. So, like, most of the people that kind of live in the south, they'd all go to two or three uh, public schools that are in the south. And then in the, in the center, you'd have more of the private schools and stuff like that. So, like, you'd, you'd, you'd find people in your area, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's very kind of like depending on your zone, like where you are in the, on, on the island, like you're going to meet people that are from almost the same area as you. Oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's like it, everything is so small, it's so close, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, extremely. Yeah. Now, see, I'm looking around, I'm seeing like the size of it. So, so you know, <laughs> you're on Google. Yeah, so. Well, so you are, you said, where you at again? Balzan, that's B-A-L-Z-A-N. Is that on the small island? No, it's on the main island. Okay, Balzan, it's not popping up, I gotta type it in. See, Birz, Birzbibuga. Oh, Birzbibuga, that's, 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 that's a bit further away. No, you have to look more central. More central around Zebug? Uh, no, even more center. There's like Birkir Karan Ashar. Um, eh, not too much, too much. <laughs> but I'm seeing the space, okay? It's not like too, too big. Nah. It's kind of, okay. And then Sicily's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically Italians. <laughs> there's, there's loads of Italians here as well. Yeah. Tripoli, what the fuck is Tripoli? Tripoli is Libya. Ah. Okay. All right. Are we getting too much into geography? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so how it is in like is the school like environment over there like typical like around the world like kids are getting into fucking drugs and shit also because over here like the su- suburbs and stuff that's like a big I- issue. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to public schools, yes, I think there's, there's a bit of an issue kind of growing now. Mm. But, like, I wouldn't say that really starts when you're too young. I think maybe when you turn 14, 15, you kind of starting to get exposed to, you know, your first cigarette and whatever. But um, mm. from, my, from, from my experience, I didn't really see too much of it. And I don't think my my friends really did either until we kind of got older 
I mean, you're always wherever you are, you're gonna you're gonna come face to face with them at some point, right? Um, so yeah, the, there's always gonna be that little problem of you know you're exposed to alcohol young and you're exposed to drugs young and um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But um, I wouldn't really say it's a massive problem right now. I mean, obviously it is growing, but like um, from my experience growing up never really got involved with that sort of stuff and never really had the option either it was very hard to to actually find any in school Hmm. okay that's good though yeah it's good yeah (laughs) yeah. and would you say like the strong community helped or is, is it just it just wasn't around I think it just wasn't around I think there's there's definitely a growing interest in it now. Because sure. I'm, like, I'm sure you guys are, did you guys get into like regular shit, just drinking and stuff? Yeah, yeah, you know, we'd, we'd do that. Like, I think, I think even maybe a bit younger than we should have been, we were drinking. But, um, I mean, the drinking age here, yeah, I think it's like 17. So you can, you oh, can shit. start young. <laughs> yeah, you can start young. Uh, but I think we were all drinking when we were like 15, 16. So we did start a bit early, but, um, you know, not crazy early. And we never really overdid it, you know? Yeah. All right, man. That's what's up. That's good, though. So getting into sports, you uh, you, you were saying that you at first you started with football? Yeah, so I started playing football when I was a kid, just like every other Maltese person. And then I re- quickly realized it wasn't for me. So I tried everything, bro. I tried basketball. I tried uh, handball, like volleyball, all of that stuff. And then, um, but I never really found my spot. You know, it was never, like, I never really felt like I was doing what I was meant to do. Like I always knew I wanted to be an athlete and I always knew that I wanted my my life to kind of focus around the practice and um, have that discipline that sports gives you. But I never really found a sport that, really did it for me until I was like 15, 16. And that's when I picked up a rugby ball and yeah, and then, then I fell in love with that. So then I stuck with it. Yeah, nice. So can, for the listeners out there, can you explain the, the rules to rugby? The rules to rugby. So... End game simple. play. <laughs> okay. So um, rugby, uh, 13 versus 13 on the pitch. You'll have 80 minutes, it's two halves, so 40 and 40. And the objective is get the oval ball across the line. So I think you guys are very familiar with the way um, the NFL works, right? So you have the, the end zone, you kind of have the same thing in rugby. You just kind of want to get the ball over the end zone and score. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely a big difference between NFL football and rugby like we pass backwards um the play is continuous like it doesn't stop after every tackle so um i think you guys have so you guys there's a tackle and then you go into the scrimmage thing Mm -hmm. right uh we don't so we just continue playing so you pick up the ball and you go again you go again again um yeah no pads Mm -hmm. which is which is um, what makes and how it really do you, interesting. So what are the rules to hidden and striking so hitting, nature? Uh, just don't go for the head. 
um, so don't go for the head and in every tackle you just need to make sure you wrap your arms around so just don't lead with the shoulder you know what I mean like, mm. it can't be a shoulder charge just because um, I mean we, we yeah. kind of play we kind of play that like in uh like in the street level like little kids we kind of play that we call it a two-hand touch or grapple football but and that oh, yeah, gets yeah, a little yeah. that gets a little aggressive it does it does yeah for sure yeah. But damn, I don't know, because um, I'm still trying to understand the gameplay because anytime I picture rugby is, for some reason, like the move, the stereotypical rugby scene in a movie or whatever or show is everybody is pushing each other. They pass the ball back and... Like I never understand. Like I can never, I never understand like the gameplay. You gotta like. Yeah, the the movies don't really make it look too interesting, man. To be honest, I don't think they do it justice. Yeah. I think if you really want to kind of learn about rugby, because it's it's a very, uh, it, it's not too big in in the US yet. Yeah. It's growing, but it's it's not too big there. So I think what you would need to do is actually like watch a European rugby game or like uh, an Australian or team play or something and then you kind of have a better understanding but yeah it's there's a lot of rules to it so it's very hard to kind of go over and explain like without visuals yeah um, so what is it called when everybody is lined up and they're they're pushing against each other because you push each other through by shoulder to shoulder yeah that's a, that's a scrum so a scrum. similar to the yeah, similar to like the scrimmage, it's like it's a way to restart play. Ah. So there's like a there's like a penalty or or something. You'd you'd have a scrum and you'd feed the ball into the middle of the scrum, and then the the guys pushing are basically fighting for a position of the ball, right? So okay. it's just a way of restarting play. Okay, so so sorry, and I think I'm gonna need you to like explain the game a little bit more. So break it down <laughs> to me. We uh whatever happened, how do, how do you pick who starts first? Uh, coin toss. Coin toss. Okay. Uh, so my team just won the coin toss. What happened? Is it similar to football? You kick it to us. Yeah, exactly. So um, you choose either you're starting on one side of the pitch or the other, or you're starting to kick or receive. So let's say just for the for the fuck of it, you said you want me to kick to you. Yes. So I'll I'll kick to you, and then. You're gonna catch the ball and you're just gonna run straight into us and you're just gonna try to get past us, right? And we'll we'll tackle. I have to I have to run into you, or I can't try to dodge you. You know, you you, you should try dodge, but I think, um, as a as a way to actually start the game, the the healthiest way to get into the habit of the game is actually taking contact, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you have players who are very good at taking the contact. Those guys are normally heavier. Uh, bigger boys. Yeah, um, we call them we call them forwards. So those guys enjoy the the contact part of the game, um, and those guys are kind of used to gain almost secure yards. Like they're gonna, it, it it's safer to to go that way because they're they're not likely to drop the ball. They're not gonna try pass. There's not gonna be any intercepts. Yeah, this um, is the muscle. This is a tank. He's coming through. Yeah, yeah. These these are the tanks coming in, and then when you get a bit closer to the other team's try line, which is similar to the end zone, um, then you want to use the smaller guys, the faster ones that are gonna kind of try run around and okay. not run into people. They're gonna try kind of get around you. Is there a quarterback? There's a halfback, which is the same as a quarterback. But does he throw the ball, or is it, is it just a passive thing? Uh, it's, it's it's a passing thing. So you always have to pass backwards. 
so stuff okay. like in the NFL where like you know you can kind of oh yes 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 okay so I mean the, the halfback kind of dictates the play so he'll he'll know what play is gonna be on and um, he just makes it happen he's probably the, the the guy with the best vision on the pitch and he's the guy with he's usually uh, a team leader yeah he's 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 definitely a leader you have a so we call it a spine and the spine uh, is the guys that are the, the front line. They're, they're they're the guys that make the plays. So you have the halfback, the standoff, and the fullback. So those yeah. guys are your spine, and um, so the halfback and the standoff, they really take control of the offensive play. And then the fullback is dictating because he stands a bit further back than everyone else. So he'll kind of have that that vision, that view of the defensive line. So he's gonna. He's gonna organize the defense, and he's gonna pull he'll players what, into sorry? different positions. He'll have like a better vision of the defensive line. So when, you know, the other team is kind of coming on and and they're they're forcing an attack, the fullback's responsibility is to make sure that his defensive defensive line is as tight as possible. It's as organized as possible. So the spine. So, so yeah, you have the the spine, and then you have the fullback that's kind of responsible for the defense he'll organize the defensive line and he'll make sure everyone's standing in the right position always oh, so um, the fullback the oh the fullback not the halfback yeah yeah the fullback is defensive mm-hmm. and the halfback is offensive okay all right so that's like equivalent to like your linebacker or whatever yeah pretty much yeah yeah pretty much okay okay all right so um Alright, it's pretty much the same, but it's just the is is the you always have to pass back. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, so what what drew? It, oh, sorry, I always want to I want to ask you. Um, do you find it? Is it like uh? I don't know how to answer this because uh, do like do you guys have like the thing where like. People from other races, like uh, other Africans coming over and playing rugby too. You get it? And it, now it's making it like a little bit more competitive or is it just like a, is it still like a niche thing where only a few people are really playing it? No, actually, I think uh, rugby and Malta is super diverse. You have so many people from all over the world. You have people coming from uh, America, South America. You have people coming from Africa. You have other Europeans um yeah it's it's really good i think it definitely changed a lot over the past five years and like five years ago it was a very local based um competition here and now it's just kind of grew there's just so many so many people with so many different backgrounds and from so many different places and they're bringing in different styles you know their 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 home style of playing rugby they're bringing it here which is helping improving the the local game here so it's it's really good okay so so uh, okay so would you say that the 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 rugby scene in malta itself is growing definitely definitely i think um we are on the up um just taking a look at the success that the national team has it's it's really good to see i think um the results speak for themselves um, winning games against uh, countries that are four or five times our size is a massive statement, mm. and um, you know it's credit to the guys that like 
really put in the work and put in the hours in the gym away from away from the pitches where I think what they do off the pitch um, to kind of translate it back onto the pitch is, is a huge effort. You know, I think especially since here we don't have any pros playing locally, any, you know, if you want to make money playing rugby, you have to go abroad. So it's quite a challenge to balance work and then playing for Malta as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is a struggle for literally everyone here. Um, but yeah, the team's growing. It's really growing. There's so many more kids getting involved and there's so many people coming from abroad that like the first thing they do is message a rugby team that you know they want to be involved and all of that. So definitely growing. That's awesome. So where is the where would be where is the like the major league rugby being played at? Like where is the equivalent of like the uh, NFL? Globally. Oh, so it's just globally. That's the yeah. So uh, the equivalent to the NFL is the NRL. So it's the Australian league. Okay. So that's the biggest one. That's the biggest one, bro. I think once you make the NRL, you're top of the game. Mm. Okay, I would have thought it would have been somewhere in England or something. Yeah, e- England is very close. I think um, it's. It's very, very close, but uh, just the quality that Australia produces and, you know, next to Australia, you have New Zealand, you have Fiji, you have Samoa, and, you know, these mm. are very rugby, rugby-orientated people. Like, they're built for it. Like, they're just, yeah. they're huge, man. They're, yeah. all, they're all, like, I, th- I think when they're born, they're already, like, six foot, so, um, yeah, yeah, it's just naturally, I think, in that part of the world, it's... It's it's very them. It they just love it. They you know in England you have so many different sports. You have uh, football. There's rugby. There's cricket. But in Australia, it's 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 just completely rugby. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what's up though. Damn. Yeah. So it's like kind of all over. So it's like you have more options. It's like if you don't make it out here, you could you could go. To, to the Polynesian country or something and play. Yeah, that's, that's the beautiful thing about mm. it. You know, you could go uh, anywhere. If you, if you don't make it in England, you can go to France. If you could don't make it in France, you can go to Italy. If you don't make it to Italy, you can go to Spain. So I think the nice thing about it is that the opportunities are actually endless. I think it just come, comes down to the person that they're willing to kind of make the move and take the risk and you know if one fails they're not gonna kind of let it consume them they're gonna go and they're gonna try again somewhere else yeah so um okay so where are you what all right so so you take me back to uh, you start playing rugby take me back to those early days of rugby what grade is this so early days of rugby i was 15 years old uh, I think that's like form four here. I'm not really sure what you guys call it, but young. Mm-hmm. Um, I started playing just off my best friend. He he has two older brothers, and they they play, and um, so they kind of got him involved in as well. And uh, he would always try convince me to to start playing. And you know, one day I was like, "Yeah, fuck it, like let's give it a go." And yeah, I fell in love with it. And you know, I was playing for 
my like hometown anyway. So, you know, the training pitch was a corner away from my house and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just made sense. I was playing with my best friend and it was just a really good environment. You know, it's just the highlights of my life, really being, being young and discovering that sport and falling in love with that sport was, um, one of the most important things that kind of shaped me. Nice. And um and can you tell me like can you explain to me like some training? How what are like the training sure. drills and stuff? So um as a as a kid they keep it very, very simple. Um you just have kind of this like when I started it was just training twice a week and um playing on the weekend mm-hmm. um pretty much all pitch sessions you'll have like we'll do one uh day would be ball work so you're just working on your passing and you're working on your running with the ball and you're working on your your set plays and then the, the next day uh of training in that week you'll work on contact so you'll you'll practice tackling you'll practice being tackled because there's a method to actually being tackled to kind of keep the ball safe, keep you safe. Um, so it would kind of alternate between those two types of sessions. You know, they were very fitness-based, so there's a lot of running in rugby and there isn't really much time to rest like there is in the NFL. So you do need to be really fit to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, loads of running, loads of passing, loads of tackling. <laughs> That's pretty much um, the training as a youth um, and then once you get older and you start you start playing under 20s or uh, actually senior level then you know you might have training three four times a week and then um, the sessions get more split so you can work on you'll have a day where you're literally just working on the playbook mm-hmm. so you're just running through set plays for an hour and a half or you're you're working on kicking because that's a big part of the game as well. You're working on catching, you're working on vision, and you know you, I think the older you get here, you're gonna kind of have more opportunities to learn about different things. They keep it very very simple at the start, just so, just to not really overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. But then as you get older and you take the game more seriously, um, you know the more training sessions you have, the more time you have to learn new stuff, right? So, um, that's really the way it works here. Okay, and as far as the the tackling exercises, what are what are they? So, contact drills would be a lot of one one on ones. So it's a very ego yeah, competitive scene when you have contact days. You could literally have just two cones opposite each other, maybe like ten meters apart, um, and. You know, you just one of one of you gets the ball and you're just running into each other. Just do you lay on your back? Thing. Lay on your back. Yeah, so they do that here, but they call it nutcrackers. So basically, okay. you, it, it, it could be one, but it's, it's one person with the ball, but you don't know who you're going to see when you get up. So it's like they blow the oh, whistle yes, yeah, and you get up and then you hit. Yeah, sometimes it could be yeah, one we'll person or two person. You never know, but your job is to get through them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we do that. Like you're, you're not facing the person that you're about to go into contact with. You kind of turn around. Yes. You have to react really quick. And mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, I, to be honest, I think the the contact drills that we would do is pretty similar to what 
they would do in the, America. In the NFL or, or, mm-hmm. or yeah, just for American football. I think, um, yeah, like you said, this, this drill is very, very familiar to us, I think. Okay. So, yeah. I think contact's contact. So yeah. when when it comes to the hitting, there isn't really too much into it. You just kind of need to do it. And the passing, is it more like a lob? Oh, the passing. So there's so many different types of passing. There's long passing, which you would need to spin the ball a lot to get some rotation and you know, it goes further. You could, you could lob it. You could just kind of push past the ball. Um, there's little skills as well where they're called tips. So it's when you're receiving the ball, but you're being pressured. As, and you know, as soon as you touch that ball, the defender is going to be up in your face. So you just need to, with your fingertips, just as soon as the ball comes close, tip it off to the next person. You know, so you'll, you'll work on that. That's a lot of reaction. That's a lot of experience. It's a lot of um, quick thinking. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but there isn't like a... Like there isn't like plays like you can only pass to the back, right? Like the hat, the court, yeah, the halfback can't throw forward. He can't throw forward, but he can kick forward. So I can, if I'm halfback, I can kick forward, and my teammates can kind of go try catch that ball. Uh-huh. It just can't be with the hands. So anything off the hands needs to be backwards, but anything off the leg, off the boots, you can kick forwards. So anybody could kick the ball forward. Any anybody, yeah, anybody. Ah, so I can just kick make, it forward just, to pass it to you. Exactly, yeah. Just make sure you're a good kicker because if, if you're someone that isn't good at kicking and you try it out and you lose possession, the coach will not be happy. Mm. Makes sense. Damn, that's crazy, though. That, that's a, it sounds interesting, though. Um, damn. So... As far as downs, do you, you you're familiar with the like the down system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have something kind of similar. So we have six tackles before you have to turn over possession. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, you don't need to kind of get to a certain spot to kind of refresh your downs. You know what I mean? Okay, so there's no first down thing. <laughs> no, so it's literally just you have six tackles to score and that's it. Okay. Unless we Which, repossess it. Exactly, unless you kind of you repossess the ball, then you start over again. But, you know, that, that's what makes the game so intense and so physically demanding because you don't have that many opportunities to score. So you need to be very fast and you need to be very powerful to kind of make those six tackles count. Is there time? Um, no. no. There's no time at all? No, nope. you, you can take as much time as you want. But obviously, um, every tackle doesn't really last too long because, you know, as soon as that ball is played, the, the defense are just rushing up onto you. They just want to eat you up. So so what's the objective of the game? Just to get the ball over the, the like, into the other team's kind of end zone and touch the ball down. And, yeah, that, that's that's how you get points. Well, how many times? What? Because that's sorry. Um, sorry. Um, so how many times? One because I'm like, since there's no time, I'm trying to figure out like what are the restrictions. Ah, no. So so the whole game is eighty minutes. Okay. So so it's like whoever scores the most in eighty minutes wins. Really. Okay, so it's like soccer. Where, but does it is there is yeah. it breaks or no? Um. Yeah. There's a half time after. So you have forty minutes, and then you have a fifteen minute break, and then you play for another forty minutes. 
Okay. So what are you doing during these breaks? Just like trying to regain, depending on who's. Yeah, you're you're resting up, you're re- rehydrating. Because obviously, since you don't stop after every tackle, you get very tired. Your body gets cramps. So mm. you know you you're rehydrating. You're listening to the coach. You're listening to the captain. You're kind of refreshing the mind a bit, switching off, switching on, and you know just kind of getting back into that um, competitive mindset because, you know, your your mind takes over. I think when you're tired, you lose the competitive drive and whatever. So I think uh, during that break, it's a good time to reset. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. So it sounds like the game is very fast-paced. It is. It is rapid. It's really intense. And how many – is there, like, uh, how many people are – on the field for like defense and offense. So it's it's um so we don't have like a defensive team and an offensive team. Everyone on the pitch does the same job. You you're both mm. defending and attacking. Um, it's thirteen versus thirteen. Are there reserve uh, players? Yeah, yeah there's uh so it's seventeen man squad. So you have thirteen starting, and then you have the rest of our subs. Okay. Yeah, so you have four subs and uh, thirteen on the pitch. All right. So can you can you go through the like the positions? Please. So positions. So we'll start with number one. <clears throat> so the numbers as well they kind of relate to the position. So number one is the fullback, mm. and then you have number two is a winger, uh, number three is a center, number four is also a center, and number five is the other winger. Um, and then six is standoff, seven is halfback, um, eight is number is called number eight, um, nine is scrum half, and then you have the rest are just the first row and second row of the forwards. So yeah, those those are really the positions that um, we have in in rugby. Okay, and then one through thirteen, and then like. Well, how many how many numbers is it? Yo, can you? Hello. What was that? What was that? Who's that? I was saying, how many numbers is it in total for the squad? Seventeen. Yeah, yeah, seventeen. Seventeen in a match day squad. Damn, so it kind of sucks being number seventeen. You know, like you're like the last option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> And there's no hiding as well because everyone knows you're number 17, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of sucks. It does, it does. But, hey, I mean, uh, because the game is so fast-paced and everyone gets so tired, like, even being 17, like, you're still going to get on the pitch, so. Okay. But, so, damn, so now I'm thinking, like, so there can't be any other random number. Uh, no, not really. Uh, everyone's like your number is just dependent on your position. Mm, this is interesting. So, so you guys are you you familiar with the brand Polo? The uh, brand Polo, Ralph Lauren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. they had like a rugby thing, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. And I remember seeing them have like different numbers, like that would be bigger than. Um. Yeah, but to really, that wouldn't be. Yeah, it's not official. It's just. 
Yeah, I, I think that's just just more for branding, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. Because you gotta keep that in mind if you have, if I ever make a rugby shirt. <laughs> yeah, you'd be number one, bro. <laughs> so number one is the that's a, that's just the that's the halfback. The fullback. The fullback, sorry. Oh, but fullback is only for defense. Mm. He's he's like, um, he organizes the defense. He's the main person in defense, but. He has to be very good at changing defense into attack. So as soon as um, you're defending and you regain possession of the ball, the fullback's the person that kind of starts that momentum into the attack. So he he does need to be very quick. He needs to be very agile. He needs to be a strong runner. I think for me, I, I'm I play fullback now. So um, uh, it's. It, it's the most fun I've had on a rugby pitch because you get you do get the best of both worlds. You you get to have that responsibility of defending and having that responsibility of organizing a defensive line. Mm-hmm. But when the attack starts, you're always involved. So um, it's really nice because you get your hand on the ball a lot. Yeah. Sorry, what number was the halfback again? Seven. Seven, okay. So... What is so? Because I'm trying to picture like. So once the the offense starts, the halfback is he huddled up like like he's just organizing the initial play, right? Like, yeah. So um, the halfback is always talking to the rest of the team. Um, he'll be you know during play, you never have time to stop and talk. So the halfback needs to be really good at talking to players during play. So while people are running around and everything is going on during the chaos, the halfback is still trying to organize the next play. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needs to be very vocal, needs to be very confident, uh, needs to read the game really well, needs to un- have a really good understanding of where you are on the pitch and how the defense is lining up against you. And you need to constantly adjust. Um, and you need to adjust your players, you know, there's a lot of things that the halfback sees that a regular player on the pitch, like a center or a winger, they wouldn't really spot these things. So it's up to the halfback to kind of say, um, this is where we are right now and this is the next play. Mm-hmm. And you know, he needs to call it. And within seconds, everyone needs to be organized and everybody needs to be ready on their toes to go. So is there like a height? Do you guys have like an equivalent of a height? No, we don't. I wish we did because it looks so cool in the movies, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so how does it? How does it like? How does it like start? Like, all right, we just got it down. Like, right. So, like you're saying, like at, after a tackle, how does everything restart? Mm-hmm. So if I have the ball and I get tackled, the referee calls tackle. So that that means that everything's done, mm-hmm. and then the the tackler gets off the person in possession of the ball and the person with the ball stands up, puts the, the ball on the ground and rolls it back to his team with his foot. Mm. Okay. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Ah, okay. Interesting. And then, like, uh, oh, so you just roll it back? So, like... Yeah, you just roll it back and there's always going to be someone trying to get following... Yeah, there's always going to be someone following the play. So as soon as you roll the ball back, your teammate's going to be right behind you and picks it up and passes straight away. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
is there is there rules for stealing? Uh, yeah, like you, you wouldn't be able to kind of just run around that player and pick up the ball. You know, you have to wait for the other team to pick up the ball. As soon as contact's made with the ball, then the play is open again. Then you can contest uh, to try and win the ball back. Um, okay. But obviously, since you're you're just rolling the ball back, it will be very easy for someone just to come, kind of come around mm-hmm. you and pick up the ball and go. So no, there's there's a few rules that kind of keep the possession with the team. That that is restarting play. Oh man, that's interesting. Man. Yeah, you should you should watch a couple of games, bro. I think I think you like it. I'm not I'm not that big big of a sports person though. But uh, so for some reason I I get into like foreign sports because it's just not like it's not in my face all the time. So I like seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, still there? Yo yo, yeah, yep. yeah, but um, nah, it's just crazy, bro. Um, like the typical. Hello. Yo. Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I was saying, uh, what are like the typical injuries and stuff? Um. The typical injuries would be concussions, man. I think concussions are something that, like, the game is trying to crack down on how we can reduce them. But I think just because you know, we don't wear any helmets, we don't wear any pads, um, the game is very, very physical. So, you know, getting head knocks is pretty common. Shoulder injuries as well, because obviously no padding on the shoulders. You're going bone to bone. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say concussions and the shoulders. Mm. Damn, how often? Yeah. Like, um, so is so is like CT and stuff like that also like a big thing. Yeah, so back in the day, it would be very, you know, very loose on how you go about like head injuries and CTs and all of that. So. Um, now we're getting better at spotting when someone has a concussion mm-hmm. because you know you don't need to you, you don't need to get knocked out to be concussed. You can be concussed and stay awake the whole time. Uh, you know, but now we're learning a bit a bit better about like the body language of someone as soon as they get hit. You know, if they're stumbling, you know, <laughs> the the lights are probably almost out. So <laughs> um, we. We're getting better at that, and you know we have protocols. As soon as someone gets hit in the head, the first thing they do is they go for a head scan, like a, a head injury assessment, um, and you know the doctor kind of gives the go ahead. You're good to play or no? You can't play the rest of the game. It's it's just one of those things where I think in contact sports you can't really avoid head knocks. I think they're always going to be around, but I guess. And um, we're just trying to get better at spotting them and reducing them. Yeah. So how what's the how do you spot uh someone who's concussed? What are some of the signs? Uh, I think some of the signs would be kind of confusion. I think uh, you could get hit, and as you're trying to stand up again, you stumble, or you're you're getting up really slow. You're you get you know sometimes you you get up facing the wrong way and. Um, 
it takes you a second to kind of realize where you are and what you're looking at. So I think once you see these things, you 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 have a good understanding that like listen, this person just got hit in the head and mm-hmm. um good chance he has a concussion. Well, it's kind of it's kind of obvious sometimes. <laughs> it's a little yeah, yeah. I mean, so, sometimes you can see people just kind of like staring up in the sky for like a couple of seconds. Yeah. So. And it's kind of it's kind of funny when you think about it. Like, oh shit! Like you guys didn't know that something was wrong this whole time. Bro. Yeah, we, I just got hit in I my mean, head. <laughs> sometimes it amazes me how like um, you can get you know someone could be concussed and nobody nobody would really realize, but it's just so obvious. You know, a, a knock to the head is it's especially in plain sight. I think. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty easy to spot most of the time when you know when someone's stumbling, they can't get up, or they're just super confused, right? So, um, yeah, I mean now the rules are changing. You know, before you could, um, the, the method of tackling was very different, and it was just way too easy to give out concussions. And you know now that's why we need to tackle with with our arms wrapping around so you never lead with your shoulder, you know, it reduces the chances of someone getting concussed by a lot. Oh, so those are some of the new changes? Yeah, I mean, every year they kind of take a look at why people got concussed and they'll try change the way the tackle technique needs to be to kind of reduce that happening again. Again, you're never going to eliminate the risk of concussion because I think um, one of the things that people don't realize is most of the causes of concussions aren't actually direct blows to the head, but they're from whiplash. Mm. So you could hit you could hit me in the chest, but you if my head moves back fast enough, my my brain's gonna hit my skull, and that's gonna be a concussion. Yeah. So you you can never really eliminate the concussion factor of the game, but you can try you can try shape a tackle in a way that like reduces the chances of that happening. But at the same time, you want to keep the game entertaining, right? People want to see big hits. So you need to kind of find that balance. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's even, it's kind of crazy because it's like, even like you try, like you trying to get away and people holding on to you, that whips you <laughs> around a little bit, like moves you around. Yeah, it does. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, bro. Wow. So, um, how, how, how bad have you been injured? Oh. I've been concussed twice, which is which was not fun. You know, one was a very mild concussion, and uh, it was just a hit to the head, and you feel um, you feel the effects afterwards. Like I remember, you know, going home and feeling sick, and then you feel really hot and sweaty, and then you're throwing up, and then you're like, okay, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, you go you go to the doctors, and they're like, oh. A concussion and then you're kind of a bit surprised you know that was the first time i got concussed it was very very confusing and then the second time i was completely knocked out um so you're pretty sure of what happens when you get knocked out you know you wake up super confused you don't really remember what just happened how how long were you um, out for uh i think it was like eight to ten seconds oh shit yeah it was I mean, again, it's it's part of the game, and it's something I think you 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 almost expect it to happen sometimes. You know, it's 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 it is the game. It's a it's a hard game. It's contact based, um, but 
it's it's a reality check when when it does happen to you it's very different than seeing it happen to someone else i think um after my second concussion i definitely um thought twice about um contact you know i you i uh, it's it's very hard to get concussed and then treat the game the same way yeah you know you, you you don't want to be knocked out you do want to um limit your injuries you know you, there you want life after rugby to be <laughs> to its maximum potential you mm-hmm. know you don't want to the, the, sometimes it's it's very sad to see you know boxers especially and fighters mm-hmm. you know the the brain damage you know that you know they feel the effects afterwards in their 40s or 50s and you know you 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 kind of start to think about that part of it and so it it does get a bit scary but you don't think about it too much because you you're just there to enjoy the game yeah no yeah definitely scary bro ah oh, man so so now so take me back so you said that you was playing for like the national team or something yes yes well so take me um, through the progression of your career so so the progression um started out playing with like my local team Uh um and they only had juniors so they didn't really have anything for older players so as soon as we kind of reached the age of um being able to to play with that side um i moved to another team um and it was definitely an upgrade i think that the training was so much better you know, I, the the team is cavalieri mm-hmm. um and the, the the translation is knights the the more the more the cavalry um yeah yeah kind of um and you know that was a that was a really good time i made loads of friends there and i think my rugby really improved there i was uh, involved with around the under-18s. I was vice captain of that team, and um, you know, I did. I think it was two seasons, and we did two seasons where we won the league and we had just a really good time. And then it, I was seventeen, and I moved over to another team who, at the time, um, their 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 senior team, so they're older guys. You know, they were winning everything and um I knew that they had the best coaches and uh, surrounded by the best players and you know I wanted to make that move um to challenge myself a bit. Um I was very, very comfortable at Cavalieri. I had my friends around me and you know, we were winning loads of games with the youth side and whatever, but um I kinda of wanted the challenge of playing senior rugby and um being around the best players um, on the island. So I made that move and I was really, really happy with it. And then, you know, just before I made the move, I was called up to play for the Malta national team, uh, yeah. 17. Uh, so I was I was the youngest person in the squad and um, it was a huge, huge moment for me. I think as soon as I picked up a rugby ball I was hooked and I wanted to be the best athlete and rugby player that I could be so um, playing for the national team is the highest honor that you could oh, get definitely. Um, oh, yeah. 
So, um, yeah, that was my goal. And that was what I was working towards. And I think to be involved just in the training, you know, I remember um, the coach at the time, Sam Keep, he came to watch me train once um, with my, like, just my, with Cavalieri, my local team. And then as I was walking off the pitch, he kind of called me over and introduced himself and said, listen, like, we want to um, have you come down to training with uh, the the national team and just see how it goes. You know, they at the time, they were preparing to play um, for the World Cup qualifiers. Um, there were two games. There was Ukraine and Greece. Uh, those were the two games that they had lined up and he was like, listen, come down and um, join the team for training. You know, he, he, at this point, he never really mentioned anything about playing, but it was just getting the experience, being with the best training, with the best on the island, you know, that was already a dream come true for me. So, um, you know, training went really, really well. Like, I I really clicked with the coach and um, I really clicked with the, with the rest of the boys. And um, when it came close to game day, I remember it was like two, three weeks out. Um, the squad was about like, 35 players and you know um, when you get closer to the game the coach starts cutting off players because he wants you know to focus on the playing group rather than the the big group and then when I started kind of seeing that I wasn't getting cut from this group and I was just kind of making it to the next stage um, every week you know I started getting this little feeling in my stomach like oh my god man you're you're getting close you're getting close you're getting close and you know, it made me want to train harder and it made me super motivated. And, um, uh, you know, I just kept putting my best foot forward and I just kept, um, you know, training with 100% commitment, full passion. And, um, you know, luckily enough, I made the squad to play against Ukraine and um, only 17 at the time. So, I, you know, it was... Um, surreal man it was crazy I, even thinking about it now like mm -hmm. how um being so young and not having any experience and um kind of being where you dreamed you would be was and you were still in high school or not high school but fourth quarter yeah, well, I, yeah I, I was i was still in school man and i remember um Sneaking out of school, leaving early. You know, my parents had no idea. Like leaving school early so I can get to training. And, they didn't know. Uh, what the fuck? No, they didn't sign off. No, no, no. It's it's it was. You know, they wouldn't have really liked the idea of me skipping school to get to training. So, um, you know, I remember we would have training sessions at six in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we'd go like do fitness sessions on the beach, so you can you know, because running on sand is pretty good for the lungs it's good for the legs and um, you know as a student you know your, your classes start at 7 30 or 8 but I remember you know my coach Sam he was super um, committed to me being involved and he knew how much I wanted it so he would come pick me up and uh, instead of going to school I'd go train and um, you know I, I just really wanted to follow the the, the dream it was it was almost a no-brainer for me, you know. I was I was never really interested in school. I just wanted to play rugby. So, um, being able to train with the national team was um, top priority for me. And um, you know, making the squad and then 
uh, on game, you know, before game day, uh, you're you're just kind of waiting for the coach to release the the team sheet. You, they keep it till the last second. You know, you would you're always on your toes. You don't know if you're gonna play tomorrow. And then you know, when when the team sheet came out and I saw my name on it, it was a feeling I'll I'll never forget. You know, being able to play. Hey, what what number were you with? I was with number five. Nice. Yeah, and Decent. you know, I, I still I still have the shirt. It's um hung up in my room. <laughs> it's um a prized possession. You know, it's the first game that I was gonna play was gonna be at home in Malta in front of my family, in front of my friends. You know, so a very 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 special moment, man. And um, you know, I can't thank Sam enough for the opportunity and you know the the national team and everyone's faith and the trust because you know it's it's tricky, man. Putting a seventeen year old um to start against Ukraine in uh, World Cup qualification matches is there's heavy responsibility on it, and you know I wanted to make sure that um I repaid their their trust so yeah it was just a big big moment for me i mean luckily the games were going on there because you didn't even tell your parents <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and you know even telling my parents um that i made the squad was uh it was it was a good feeling obviously there was a bit of an argument of like oh why weren't you in school but um they they understood you know they knew how badly i wanted it and um you know, having having them there, you know, my my dad would always kind of come watch my games as a kid, and um, you know, I think for me to be able to represent my family, um, you know, having you know Kirkup like my my surname on the, on that on that team list, you know, for me it's 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 a lot more than just myself. It's yeah. it's my it's my family name as well. So you know, I think it was a proud moment for everyone and. Um, you know, they 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 were definitely they definitely let me know that you know they were proud of the achievement. And that's like the official official like national team. Like that's like that's yeah, that's the official national team, and that's proper proper games. Um, you know, it's it's the real deal, man. It's, it's so that's like Olympic do. level. So th- that team leads to the Olympics or no? But if we, I mean, that's the thing that could potentially qualify for, you know, World Cup and stuff like mm. that. But um, obviously, we need to get to that level. There's still a few um, things that we need to improve on and um, a few more teams we need to beat, you know, prove ourselves a bit more. We're a small, small island. So, you know, we need to... So you're still on that team? Um, I was off the team for two years. I had a, a bit of a, a, rock, a rocky... Two years, you know, some I, I completely stopped playing the game for for two years, and um, so I was off. Uh, but we're back on it now. You know, I have uh, training with the national team tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, we have two games coming up um, this weekend and uh, on the twenty third of this month. So, you know, hopefully we can make the squad and get on the pitch for, you know, even just one of those games would be a massive honor to kind of play for Malta again. You know, that's, that's, that's my goal now. Nice. Yes. Number one again. Uh, what was that, bro? Sorry, you cut out. 
He was what? Uh, you cut out, bro. I didn't hear the question. Oh, I was saying that uh, you were go- you were gone for two years, and then you come back, and you're number one again. Uh, uh, not number one right now. Um, I think I was in the conversation to be number like have the number one shirt playing full back, but um, that was before mm-hmm. I took my break. Um, I obviously now. The team progressed, you know, two years away from a sport. Things change and, you know, new players come in, new faces. But, you know, I, I still feel like I'm I'm mixing it in with them. So, um, we'll see, we'll see. I, I'm I'm just back from injury. This is good. like I, I had a, a torn tendon in my groin. So, oh, you know, n- nursing that and kind of the recovery process and, um, all of that stuff, you know, it takes time and you can't just kind of go full in, back in, you know, like like nothing ever happened. So, yeah. you know, even the way that, you know, I get introduced into the team again will be paced. But I think when you, when it comes down to kind of playing for Monta, you don't really care if you're starting or you're coming off the bench, you know, you just want to do it. I think every minute, every second that you're on that pitch means so much to you, right? So, um, whether you're starting, whether you're finishing off the game, you just you just want to play. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, what are you? So, oh well. So I kind of want to. What do you mind speaking? What happened when you took your break? Or of course, man, of course. So, um, just before I took my break was when I signed with a team in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically. Uh, we had uh, international game. It was Malta versus Wales. And um, I remember playing that game and I was number two that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, my shirt number was number two. And um, I had a, a pretty decent game. And afterwards, when we were kind of having our post-match meal, uh, a man came up to me and he was a director of a club in, in Birmingham. And, you know, he just asked for my number and um, said, you know, we'll keep in touch. And a couple of months after, he sent me a text and uh, asked me if I wanted to play for his team. And um, obviously, uh, playing abroad is a completely different game. It's something, you know, you, you dream of as well, just the same as, you know, you dream of playing for Malta. You also dream play, of playing abroad on, like, a semi-pro contract. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, that achieving that was massive for me. But I think the timing of everything was very off because, you know, um, a couple couple weeks after I I committed to the team, that uh, COVID broke out. Yeah. So, um with with you know with COVID it was very hard to so you get involved. I think and, you might have broke up a little bit. You said a couple of weeks after you committed what? Uh, so after, a couple of weeks after I committed to the team in Birmingham, uh, COVID uh, kind of broke out, and you know the all the restrictions and you know you, no flights and the the game has been cancelled. Um, so we couldn't play, and um, you know I spent the whole year signed with a team, but I couldn't play. Um. So, you know, the next year comes around and I have a conversation with the club and, you know, I wanted to obviously re-sign and I wanted to 
you know, get my shot. And, you know, they were very happy to give me that opportunity again. So we re-signed. So I ended up staying a total of two years with with, uh, with Birmingham. Um, um, but then, you know, COVID was very, very harsh on the team. I think financially the team took a massive hit. So pair, players weren't being paid and, um, mm. you know, sp- sponsors weren't happy and all of this. So, you know, a lot of players got released and, um, I got. Re- I was one of those players that got released because being an international player, mm-hmm. um, you know, they want they wanted to keep the players that would cost them the least mm-hmm. amount of money, and you know, being someone that they would have to you know provide for because I'm I was not you know living in the area I was an extra expense, so you know I was very heartbroken, and um, you know, I felt like a a dream got taken away from me, something that was completely out of my hands, and it frustrated me a lot, and. Um, you know, I, I was very angry at yeah. the whole situation, and um, you know, at the time we were training to uh, with Malta as well, so I was still in the national team at this point. And um, just to make matters worse, at the time my mom got sick as well. So um, when she when she got sick, I started you know looking at life differently, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, my my focus stopped being rugby. It was just all over the place. I lost, I lost my my drive and my motivation, and um, so I just gave it up, man. I, I just, I, I didn't have it in me anymore to do it. I think when you're playing rugby, you really need to enjoy it, and you really need to be committed to it. And if you're not, you should probably step away because you're either gonna get hurt or you're just wasting your time. So, um, you know, I made the decision to kind of step back, and uh, you know, I. I was meant to fly to Turkey to play a couple of uh, national team games, and I had a conversation with the coach, and I told him, "Listen, I'm I'm not, I'm I'm not there. Like mentally, I'm not there to play. Like, um, I just don't want to do it." And um, so, yeah, that, that's really how my break started, and um, you know, I just wanted to get everything fixed you know i think yeah. once my once my mom got got healthy again and you know my mind cleared up you know then you know men, mental health is a thing man and it's it's really it really eats you and it can yeah. really consume you so um i think having all of this while being you know in lockdown you know you, you can't meet friends you can't kind of go out and do the things you enjoy to kind of blow some steam off mm-hmm. it um yeah it just ate me up um so it was it was a tough time but i think it's it's all about the bounce back bro i think um you know i i always had that little urge to kind of compete mm-hmm. you know i i still wanted to be an athlete it just wasn't the right time to to focus on it so i just wanted to get everything else right and you know now i feel like i got everything right and i feel like this year was my kind of year where i I came back properly, you know, mm-hmm. no bullshit, like training, training a lot and, you know, recovering really well with the injuries and um, getting the focus and the motivation back and uh, the passion, man. I think, I think when you're, when you're an athlete and you're, um, you want to win and not just play for fun, but you, you have the drive to win, you need to be very passionate and you need to be obsessed and, um, <clears throat> You know, I'm obsessed. I'm truly, completely consumed by the game now. So, um, you know, 
this is like my redemption, my my comeback story. Um, I think, you know, two years off is a long time. And, you know, a lot of people can kind of say, oh, you're done, you're finished. But, you know, I don't feel that way. You know, I'm very, very motivated. I'm, I'm 22, so I have some time to, to, to claw it back. So I'm just looking forward now to just rip in and, you know, get back on my feet and, and compete like at, at the best level that I can. I just want to compete. Yeah. No, that's good, bro. That's good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad that you got back into it, man. I know sometimes it can be hard, especially like during that time in life and everything was fucked up for everybody. And then yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, the, to lose like that opportunity, uh, for something that was out of your control. You feel me? Yeah, man, for sure. It was just like corporate games, and and I get it, man. Then to come home and then your mom gets sick, and just like, bro, who? At that point, you're like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, exactly, man. You mm. just kind of throw everything up, and you're like, "Fuck this, bro!" Like, "Fuck, fuck everything." You know, you're just, you're just done, really. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's good, good, good thing that you back on the track, though, man. Yeah, for sure, bro. Like, I yeah. feel like it's, it's the right time now. You know, I'm, um, I've been working really hard in the gym, man, and getting my diet right, my sleep good, and the fundamentals and. You know, I I take I take my my sport very seriously. You know, I want to be the best. I think in anything that you do, if you want to succeed, you need to have that drive to be the best. You want to be a competitor. I don't think for me being just a, an average player, just someone that's just on the team, it's not enough. Like I want to be one of the players that like when when shit's going down, I want people to look at me and say, okay, like. Um, you know, I want to be the player that people want to play with, man. I want to be the player that um, can make an impact. I just, I don't want to be there. I want to be um, involved. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to be one of the protagonists of the story. Yeah. Not right, good, bro. You want to be active, man. You want to be one of them ones, man. Go down in the yeah, history man. books. <laughs> for sure, bro. For sure. Oh, I, think, yeah. I, I think when you're, when you're young and you're, you're hungry. You just need to you need to ride the wave, man. I think my whole life it was very um, so many people doubted that I could play rugby. You know, I was a very small kid, very skinny. Um, so I got a lot of the doubt. I got a lot of bullshit. Yeah, I got, there's, there's a lot of doubt, a lot of um, bullshit, man. That like you know can can eat you up in your mind and kind of beat you mentally and you know I, I never really let it beat me I just I let it kind of fuel me like I wanted to prove so many people wrong but as well just prove myself right you know I think that's the most important thing prove yourself right you go whatever you have like do what you have to do take all the steps you know make sure you're eating make sure you're training and sleeping you know I, I missed out on all the parties bro you know I, I was completely dedicated to being the best athlete and rugby player that I could be so I think now I flipped the switch again you know like I don't want those years to go to waste you know mm -hmm. I'm still in time to to save that little career that I had going on and um, yeah man just get back into it and have fun doing it oh yeah man definitely <laughs> so what, what so what what are you working on now man what can people look forward so, to 
right now just working on getting back into the national team and being you know having a, a starting role there you know that's what made me the happiest mm-hmm. um, version of Sean so I think getting back to that is the most important and and then from that I you know I, I want to sign a pro contract abroad I you know I'm, I'm speaking to couple of clubs in the UK that you know are looking at giving me a trial so I think after these set of games that we have like um, for more time you know, I, w- I want to focus on that we just keep keep working keep grinding man and and keep chasing the dream that's good that's good any uh do you think are you thinking about documenting any of these things starting a podcast nah, you know, maybe? <laughs> I, I was really thinking about it. I was having a conversation with a really good friend of mine like a couple of days ago um, about kind of uh, documenting it, whether it's like a podcast or like vlogs or something. Or I, I was thinking about it, man, like I, I might do it. Like I think, I think just to look back on them, it would be pretty fun. Definitely. And you know, um, if I could recommend one, I feel like your first video should be like basically not this not like what you just said but kind of what you just said on this podcast but focusing more on like your love for rugby than what happened during the covid everything you lose yeah. interest and now the just the, like telling them that this is the start of your new journey of like getting back into the the love of the, the culture and getting back into like your career and all that yeah man, I, th- I think that would be a good opening but like just I don't know if it would be through a podcast or like YouTube or whatever, but I think it would be good to like document it, even if it's just for myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just, 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 just to look back keep, on yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a manifestation, man. You, you already halfway there, bro. Yeah, bro. Exactly, man. I, I, I'm a, I believe in that shit hard. I don't know about you, but I fucking, I think if, if you were confident enough to, to speak it, if you can look in the mirror and speak it, and you know, believe it, man. It it can happen. I really think it can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah bro, definitely. So, um, any other last stories you want to share with the people before we get out of here? Oh man, uh, not really, man. Just you know, chase a dream and you know, focus on yourself and enjoy the process. I think, um, whatever you're doing, whether it's studying or you want to be an athlete or you want to be a doctor or whatever, you just need to enjoy the process and. Um, you know, remember the reasons why you're doing it, and enjoy the butterflies and the nerves, and uh, you know, enjoy being kind of naive and making a name for yourself. You know, like um, I think if you kind of want to to do it well, you shouldn't rush anything. You know, just take your time, surround yourself with good people, people that are gonna give you the good energy, man, the good info, and. Yeah, just chase the dream and enjoy it. Mm. So let the people know one more time where they can find you. Uh, Instagram, bro. You can just search me up, Kirkopshawn, C-H-I-R-C-O-P-S-H-A-U-N. Okay, well, definitely. I'm going to have everything linked in the description, man. But just like that, Thank guys, you. make sure you follow Sean on his Instagram and support the team, man. Stay tuned, man. Are you, you going to be posting up any games? Can they follow? Can you see these shows, like, anywhere? Not shows, but these games. Are they televised? Yeah, bro, anywhere? like, all, all of the games are going to be, like, streamed on YouTube. So, if anyone wants to kind of watch the, the national team games, we have two coming up. We have uh, Montenegro next week, and then 
Bulgaria on the 23rd of this month. So if anyone's keen to watch some rugby, man, it's the perfect place to start. And what's the name of the national team again? Sorry, is it just the... Just just Malta Rugby League. Okay. All right, definitely. I'm going to... I'll look up... Well, you send me the... I'll link the description for the YouTube or something. Cool, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll link you everything and then do you. All right, man. Thanks, bro. Uh, thank you again for your time, bro. I know you. We are like a crazy, on a crazy um, time difference right now. But yeah. Yeah. No, my pleasure, man. Like, thank you for having me on, and it was it was good fun on my first podcast as well. So it was it was a good experience, man. Definitely, man. Definitely gonna have you back on, man. Uh, For next, sure, bro. Next we'll, time we're we'll, gonna do video, so you know. Yeah, we'll we'll run it back when when we're when I have more of a story, you know, when the, when the journey kind of continues, we'll do an update on it. Definitely, definitely, man. Uh, but yeah, man. Just like that, guys. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. All the links are gonna be in the description. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at nfs.pod. Also, you can follow the main page at sunny.nycc. Uh, make sure you hit the link in my bio and support our sponsors at Merchants and Culture. That's M-E-R-C-H-A-N-T-S-N-C-U-L-T-U-R-E. That's Merchants and Culture on Instagram. Hit the link in their bio and don't forget to shop the culture. Yo, Sean, thank you for stopping by again, bro. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you, my bye. Thank you, my brother. Thank you so much, bro. You already know, bro. And see you guys next time. Peace.